Okay, um, our text says that David is in the wilderness, a desert-like place. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to be reading 1 Samuel 21 if you want to follow along, and then we'll deal with the text um, afterwards. But I, I wanted us to realize what, what David was dealing with. And what was going on? We, in Psalm 63, we, we kind of drop into it, but I, I want us to get a little background of what's, what is going on. And uh, picking up at verse 10 um, in chapter 21, 1 Samuel 21, it says, And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achaish, the king of Gath, the servants of Kaish said to him, is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was struck, was and was much afraid of a of Achaish, the king of Gath. So he he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achaish said to his servants, "Behold, you see." The man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack mad men that you have brought this fellow to, to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David departed there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house, father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And David went there to Mitzvah of Moab, and he said to king of Moab, please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them and the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, do not remain in the stronghold, depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. And so here we are. According to the record, at the time that David wrote this psalm, he was in the desert, in the wilderness in Judah. Also, uh, David, we see, is going through 
persecution, according to verses 9 through 11, we see that, and according to the text we have just read. And during this time, though David was still king, he was being pursued by his enemies. David was in a place that was barren, dry, and desolate. He was not in a place where he can enjoy uh, creaturely comforts, but what I want us to notice is that even when we're in a wilderness, there are various benefits and there's opportunity to give God a sweet devotion. Even in the midst of, of trial, God was with David in the wilderness. It seems like, and you can agree with me, uh, just think along with me, but does it seem like when David is having the most difficult trouble, it seems like we're given the most sweetest psalms. It seems like the harder and the most difficult times, as, as if when, when David is behind the eight ball and trouble is raining down, he has more of ability to reach God. And so we, we're going to see this here as well, where Psalm is going to be an encouraging word for us, especially with everything that is going on in the culture. But it's interesting because this seems to say to us as well that even when we're favored by God, and especially with David being a man after God's own heart, that, that doesn't remove the the trouble, right, doesn't remove the difficulty. Even though he was a man favored by God and blessed more than others in many cases, troubled circumstances will come our way. There are disturbances. There are some things that will disrupt the norm. And so today, if you feel as though you're in a spiritual desert or wilderness, I believe the text chosen will help us for times like these. And so if you would turn with me to Psalm 63. Hear now the word of the living God. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. 
as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you. As long as I live in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been, you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down in the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword, and they shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult for the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is the word of the living God. The flowers fade, the green grass falls, but the word of our God shall last forever. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word especially in times like these. Lord, it is through your word that we are able to find great confidence. We're able to find hope. We're able to be in our right minds. No matter what the circumstances are, we're able to look to you, our guide, our comforter, the lover of our souls, And we're able to stand firm on Christ, the rock, the rock of our salvation. Lord God, we pray you would speak to our hearts and our minds as we receive your word. May your word go forth with power, convicting us, changing us, that we might live holy and obedient lives. Help us, Lord. We pray that faith would come. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Pray, Lord, that you would save the unbelieving one today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've entitled the sermon, Drawing Confidence from the Love of God. That's what David is experiencing. He's experiencing a God who loves him. God has reminded us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And David here is now experiencing troubled waters. So, how will he deal with that? To help us, I have... 
created four points to assist us. And um, these points would assist us that we might consider the text before us today. Point number one, confidence must originate with God. It can't be anything else. Confidence must originate with God. Point number two, confidence in God leads to praise and thanksgiving. Confidence in God leads to praise and thanksgiving. Point number three, confidence in God produces satisfaction, meditation, and worship. Confidence in God produces satisfaction, meditation, and worship. And lastly, confidence in God leads to the knowledge of one's own secure position. Confidence in God leads to the knowledge of one's own secure position. So let's begin. Point number one, confidence must originate with God. In verse number one, David said, oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. David calls to the one true God recognizes him who he is. So you're recognizing God for who he is while acknowledging his own allegiance to God as his own. The word earnestly in the original means that David would seek God in a serious way or in a serious manner. We should do the same. To always be seeking God. Scripture says it ought to be a matter of life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. It's it's a matter of life. It's a matter of seriousness. So David is making a comparison with his current circumstances up against that of the past experience that he had with God. Remember, this is the same David who used to be a a shepherd boy, uh, shepherding the sheep. And he remembered when God poured out the oil on him and said that he's the next king in line. He has some experiences with God. Dave is familiar with God and how God has helped him. And so what he's feeling is a deep deep sense of needing God. Maybe there's someone here today. Do you, you feel like God is distant? Or you're lacking the reality that God is near. This is kind of what David is right now. Have you felt that way in the past? Can you relate? Or maybe you're in the category that you know you haven't felt that way before. All I would say is keep living. 
And in many cases, you'll find out that you too will have a longing for God. David had this happen in his own life, and the thing that he longed for most was simply to be nearer. He wanted more of God. He wanted to be nearer. It's as if he felt that before. And he wanted more of that because his circumstances were saying something different. In many cases, we have to speak into our own lives the reality of what God said he would do and what God said who he is. So David was seeking something that only God can give him. And it was the joy of the Lord. It was joy. It was not the things that God, but it was God himself. He wanted him. He wanted to sense him. Remember, David was a man who had possessions Experienced riches, but what he felt he needed the most was to be in the presence of God. Lord, I, I need you. Know what he says? Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. When David says, my soul thirsts for you, it means that he's longing for God with a deep longing. So if you've ever felt thirsty and hungry for food, it's similar to that. But in the sense of our souls wanting to be filled with the spiritual nourishment that we need. This is the place where David was longing for God with a strong, deep desire for God to be in his presence. This type of desire and longing can also be seen in scripture in various places. I want to look at one. And here, the psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 25, the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. This is a righteous desire. And if we're going to gain confidence from God, it must begin with him. Our confidence has to originate with God. It's not self-seeking. It's not sinful or lustful like the things that the whole world is seeking after and longing for and is serving and bowing down to, but it's wanting what God wants. And we understand that to mean we're to live a holy and righteous life for the glory of 
God. David then adds that not, not only is he seeking the presence of God and not only is he thirsting for it as well, but he adds, my flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is water. David is experiencing even the physical difficulties of living. Oftentimes throughout our Christian journey, we will be faced with various wilderness type experiences that will have us to feel lonely, to feel desperate, empty, dry, discouraged, disappointed, and in many cases, hopeless. These are wilderness realities that Christians while on their journey, must pass through because in many ways it is also a part of God's plan. God, in his providence, allow us to go through difficulties and trials so that we might find confidence in him. You don't always remove trouble. We could even say that God sometimes is the instigator. We saw that in the life of Job, right? But it wasn't without purpose. It wasn't without divine intent. God had a divine purpose and plan. And here's the reality we have to get used to is that he doesn't always let us in on what he's doing. But he does command us to trust him and to rely upon him. And so David is there. He's trusting the Lord. He's trusting the reality of God's God have a plan. And so I have a question for you. Is your confidence originating with God? Are you finding what you need from God or are you trying to use other things under the creator as a means of filling your longing in search for joy we must go to God and we must depend and trust in him, our confidence must originate with God. And so, he must be first. It is only then we would receive confidence. Because if we are seeking the approval of others, at some point we're going to fail. At some point, the people we're trusting in will fail us, and so we must begin with God. In verse 2, David remembers and reflects upon the power and the glory of God. 
In other words, David took his eyes off of the wilderness and instead focused his mind on the divine nature and character of God. In other words, he stopped looking at the puny created order to give him satisfaction that only God can give. We have to be careful as as Christians, not to focus our attention on the puny created things of this world. We must focus on who we are in Christ. Originating, remembering that we've been born again. Not to put on our old ways and old habits and relying upon things that will fail us. And so David did that. He took his eyes off of the wilderness and focused on God. And so he says, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. He's reflecting now, beholding your power and glory. And so according to this verse, David reminded himself of God's ability and the honor that only God deserves. That simply means that God has no limits. What am I worried about? Scripture reading was reminding us of that. We're to put our hope in God. And so David reflects upon this And he puts his confidence in God. David may be saying here that he doesn't necessarily have to limit God to the sanctuary. But instead, God is with him in the wilderness. Sometimes that's all we need is to know that God is right there in the wilderness, in the trouble. And it's there that we're able to find confidence confidence in God. To say it another way, David knew that God wasn't far away, but rather God was near him like never before. We've experienced that before when the trouble was there. And then we had an aha moment. And we begin to wipe our tears away. And we can say, I'm good now. And then we can go to the other extreme where we'll break out in shouts of joy because we know that God is there. And then we'll find ourselves crying again, but not out of sadness, but tears of joy. And knowing that our God is near. And that's what David is wanting. And so we see that change happening. He was a man who was desperate, a man in the desert, and now he's feeding his own soul. He's remembering the power and glory of God. And so David knew at this time God was not far away. 
David also knew that any time, at any time God could manifest himself at any point there in the wilderness if he wanted to. This verse could be understood that David began to realize or believe that just as God was with him in the sanctuary, he was close to him now. And if we consider this in this way, David's wilderness experience became something else other than a dry desert. In lieu of who God is in the wilderness, it becomes the place where David meets with God. To say it another way, the desert became David's public place of worship. He didn't have to be in the building, but as long as God was there, we can worship. And so it's not this building that enables us to worship. It's because we have God living in us that we're able to worship the true and living God. It's because the Emmanuel is with us. So have you ever considered that God is with you where you are? Have you ever considered that reality that God will never leave and has never left and will never ever leave? That must be the way we live and the way we think. We're living the Christian life. These are very important things to remember. We must ponder these things just as David did. That's where he's at now. He, He had trouble, but what did he do with it? David is pondering the things of God, and we must Remind ourselves that when we are not in corporate worship, when trouble is at the house, when trouble is on the job, when trouble is in us, we must remember who God is. In addition to this, we not only can remember who God is, but we must remember that God is where he's in us. We have the spirit of God living in in us. So though we might feel all the difficulties of this life, we must remember and ponder the realities that God is near and never leaves. And so, can you imagine with me for a moment how our wilderness experience can be the preferred meeting place? Have you ever thought about that? And I only say that because in many cases, it's in the wilderness that God will take that and transform that. So, what are we saying? We're saying in that moment, God can transform our 
wilderness into the place where we begin to see the power and glory of God. But do you really believe that is the question in your mind? Is God able to do it? That's the question. Can God change the outcome of our difficulties so that we might see his power and glory? Can God make himself known to us in trials is the question we must answer ourselves. And so are we more willing to believe that God can actually meet with us here at Grace Bible Church in the midst of our own difficulties and hardships and painful realities? Do we believe that God can grow us in the midst of our wilderness experiences? So spiritually, we're constantly facing or faced with the reality of being in the wilderness because of our own sins or because of the sins of others. But even while we are in the midst of all of our trials, God meets with us where we are and changes the outcome so that we might see him for who he is. And for us, what an amazing experience. That's, that's a different way of thinking. And the world might even think that we're strange to think something like that. But for us, it's an amazing experience. And in order for it to happen, we must seek him. Listen to Psalm 105, verse 3. There it says, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. That's, that's our confidence originating with God, right? We don't, as soon as we get in trouble, get on the phone and call somebody else. It look like this. When we get in trouble, we fall on our knees and call on him. That's why our hope and confidence must originate with God. Next point, point number two. Confidence in God leads to praise and thanksgiving. Because, David says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. As, as soon as David began to experience what it means to be filled spiritually, he's recognizing and realizing that something is missing in all of this. And he recognizes this as praise. Right before our eyes, his prayers were turned into praise and thanksgiving. 
we saw a man who was in the wilderness who came out of a cave who was longing for the presence of God who is now saying because of your steadfast love because of your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you it's as if David says despite the cave despite the wilderness I'm done with that I'm resting in God Now I will praise him. And so we see this. Not long ago after two verses, we saw a king longing after God. And now we're seeing him expressing something different. What is is it that Dave had found, according to the text? He found God. The scripture often talks about how we ought to seek the Lord, but sometimes people look for God in all the wrong places. We look to God by way of the scriptures and through faith in him. And the best way to remember him is by remembering who he is what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do. In Psalm 30, verse 5, the text states this about God. For his, ang- for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. You see, that's, that's what salvation does. It, it releases us from being in opposition against God And it brings us into a space of favor. Right? Isn't that what the text says? For his anger is but for a moment. We weren't always saved. We were opposed to God. The text goes on to say, And his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes with the morning. Anytime we express confidence in God, it ought to lead to praise and thanksgiving. When we come into the knowledge of God, it helps us to have a confidence in God that leads to praising him and thanking him because of what he has done. We don't just walk away from it. As if God owes us. The more we meditate and contemplate on what God has done, the more thankful and grateful we ought to be. Can you imagine giving somebody something and they don't address you at all? We we don't even like it. Imagine a God who has given you everything and we don't praise him and honor him and glorify him and this is one of the reasons why we're wanting people to continue to come to prayer meeting it's for these kinds of opportunities it's something we can share in 
together as the body of Christ. It's the way believers can connect with one another in the reality that we are God's children and we are struggling together, we're praising together, we're in prayer together. And so, it's a reminder that when we come into the knowledge of God, it helps us to have a confidence in God. And that means that even in trouble, the believer will bless the Lord because of the revelation that has been given to us. And when we know him deeply, it leads to worship. Um, when we're affected by grace and mercy, we will never be the same. Uh, in another psalm, David says, um, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. The worldly counsel is not giving us that. That's why our confidence is not with the psychologists and the sociologists but the curtains have been torn in two and now we have access to God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We don't need a priest. We have access. And what a shame having access to the king but not using it. What a shame it would be if we have been freed from bondage and still, and still fixing our beds in a cell. What a shame that would be to have riches and still putting on peasant clothes as if we don't know our father who owns it all. So it's a reminder for us to take our confidence Take our positions. Be good soldiers. That takes us to verse number four when David states, so I will bless the Lord as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. So now at this point, David is in an interesting place in, the, in this moment of his life. He has moved from a place of longing and seeking God to a place of praise and of blessing God and lifting up his hands. And what we see here is interesting in the text that this takes him to another place. He, he's making a lifelong mission on the basis of this newfound reality in his life at the present time 
when he made the statement, I will bless you. You will bless God for how long, David? He states it in the text. As long as I live, in whose name will you give praise? In your name, Lord, I will lift up my hands. You see what happened? He was in a desert, in the wilderness. And he's being brought through that with mission. David is in a different space and a season in his life than before. And because his confidence originated with God, it led to praise and thanksgiving despite his wilderness. Don't forget, he still have enemies who are coming. He's still trying to see what it is God is doing. But despite the wilderness, he resolved to live a life of faith in God and in worshiping God alone. Just if he shook off his mat, took his pillow, laid it down, and said, fellas, I'll see you in the morning. That's confidence that originates with God. And so when we, when we get in that, we can say trouble, trouble, trouble don't last always. And when we get into that, it places us in a different place. And that leads us to point number three, which is confidence in God produces satisfaction, meditation, and worship. In verse five, David states, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. See, that's something he tasted, right? Um, He's been in the kingdom and know what's that like. So, His comparison is different from ours, right? He's saying fat and rich food, and he's making a distinction there. He says, my soul shall be satisfied with that which is greater than the material food. And he says, then he goes back to it. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. David realized how he is truly blessed and privileged by God. And we see this in his response when he realizes what God has done and is reminded of who he is. Because of it, David is deeply satisfied. He is inwardly content. David is resting in God. So his inward confidence is through the roof. Confidence in God produces satisfaction. And that's where David is. He's satisfied. And in verse 6 and 7, we see that David is planning to start a continuous discipline 
to help with continuing these renewed realities in order that he might be found faithful to God. And so we don't just walk away from it. Now it's a matter of practice. How must I continue in this reality of having confidence that originates with God? And so in, he states in 6 and 7, verse 6 and 7, When I remember you, Lord, upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing, with joy, sing for joy. So according to verses 5 through 7, we see that confidence in God produces satisfaction, it produces meditation, and it produces worship. And so we see that confidence in God produces these things when our lives is focused upon him. And we see this in the life of David, but we can also know that it will happen in our lives too. And notice what David planned to do now that, he has, that his faith has been strengthened. Look at verse 6. Do you see it? He, he says, when I remember you. That, that's the called reflection. We reflect upon God when we practice meditation. Upon his word, upon his character, and how he has worked in our lives in the past. The wicked... Not so much. In Psalm 10 verse 4, the text says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Only those who know God can intimately make much of him in an honorable way, even when they're in difficult circumstances or a spiritual wilderness. And so, notice the language that David uses in verse 7 when he states, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings. It sounds like the scripture when the scripture is reminding us about how God is a refuge and strength and a present help in the time of trouble. David is reflecting upon his own past experience for a right now reality that will lead into a future hope. And that leads us to our last point, which is, Confidence in God leads to the knowledge of one's own secure position in him. And so David reflects upon his former experiences with God. He was able to see 
the power of God. And so that's why he's able to say, be my help. Right? For I, for you have been my help. Right? It's a moment of reflection. And in, uh, in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. And so he's reminded that God's help will never fail him. And so therefore he's able to rejoice. Over and over again, we keep seeing in the midst of trial, praise, singing, joy, helping. We see all of these things which points to the reality of what we have access to. This changes things. We're talking about trouble when we remember this. This changes our view about life. And so, in verses 8 through 11, David has a renewed strength and confidence that brings about a unique joy in the Lord. The world can't participate in this. The world can't take a hold of the promises that God has given to his people. And so, because David has a renewed strength and confidence, this gives him the confidence he needs in God so that he might remember his own secure position. And so we see in in verse 8, this, this idea of having a secure position. In verse, in verse 8, David says, My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. And when we see the right hand, it speaks to God's power. Him being the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one. So there's something that we must do, and there's something that God is doing. And the sweet reality is when all else fails, we know that God has us when we're not clinging to him. But right now, he's in a good place because he's remembering what God has done and it's as if David says there's no turning back. He is confident in God more now than before and it is causing him to be in a secure position, a sure position and he has made up his mind to live out his faith earnestly, seriously, without shame. And so what do, you, what do you say when you are strong, when you are confident, when uh, your hope is in God? Here's what David says. But to those who seek to destroy my life shall go down in the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. 
but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouth of liars will be stopped. In other words, God is faithful. We're able to find confidence in him. And no matter what people, no matter what things we lose, what people are doing, we're able to find confidence in God because he is faithful. And so may we draw confidence from the love of God. May we take our positions in Christ. May we hope in him. And so let us remember to have our confidence beginning with God. May we remember to praise God and to give thanks. May we be satisfied with what God is doing and may we not compare ourselves as the world does. May we be content and may we meditate on the reality of who God is and that ought to lead us to worship. And then we are able to find confidence in him because we know of our secure position. To those who do not know Christ, um, this message cannot help you. This message cannot help you until you come into the knowledge of Christ. The most important thing for you to do at this time in your life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he has died for your sins. Believe that he has died upon a cross and was buried and rose on the third day. Believe. The scripture says that faith will come. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. We're only able to come into a right relationship with God until we, uh, let me, until we're only able to come into a right relationship with God when we put our hope in him and be saved. And so believe and be saved, that's what we must do. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word gives us great confidence as we live this life pilgriming through. We know that you're working all things out for the good, for those who are the called according to your will, for your glory. Lord, may your will be done in our lives and may we take this word and may your word be planted deep in us that we might sing, that we might with joyful lips praise you and honor you for your glory. 
knowing our secure position in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.